Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. All right. Um, we've been talking a lot about the other components of training, but they're, it's relatively new to you. Um, I received a text from James even, and he's saying, you've been talking about alchemy lately. And it's like he expressed that it's kind of new to him. Uh, remember that alchemical element is another way of understanding the energetic component. So there's three components to your training. They're all concentric to each other. You have the spiritual component, which is a reconciliation of the egoic mind or the ego tripartite mind and the God mind. You have the energetic component or the alchemical component. Either way, just like I say egoic mind sometimes, sometimes I say ego tripartite mind. You have to know because you hang out with me that it's the same thing as well as knowing what it is. So sometimes I say energetic component, sometimes I say alchemical component. And it is involving the reconciliation of yin and yang, okay? Yin and yang energy, right? So in it, yin and yang chi, okay? And then you have the physical component, right? Which I tell you is, really you could look at it about reconciling, pushing, pulling. You could look at it that way, okay? Which I kind of just sum up in, in a simplistic way. It's the practice of non-contestation. So you could look at it too as the reconciliation between you and the other, okay? But like James was saying, you know, right? How long has he been training here? Really not much less time than some of you here, right? we have only recently really been digging deeper into the energetic component. The reason for that is contrary to what Aikido people tell themselves. You really, you don't have a tonden. You don't, you don't have a anatomical spot on your body that is a tonden and you were born with it and you walk in with it. The Tanden is, is a field that manifests itself, and here we're, only, we're talking only about the lower Tanden. It is a field that manifests itself once you're able to internalize Yangchi and Yinchi and meet, have them meet in this lower region for simplicity's sake, let's say your lower abdominal region. And in that field, you're your goal is to turn these 
forces, these chi, this chi, these two different types of chi. Right? To turn them how? To turn them according to the rotating cross pattern that Aikido has adopted as its main pattern of this internal alchemy. So until you can internalize Yang Chi, then send it down to the earth and bounce it off the earth where it's Yin Chi, you, you don't have a Tanden. This just doesn't show up. It's not there. Okay. But we have people that can now internalize, do you see, Yang Chi. So they're developing their Tanden. So we talk more about the energetic component. But if you could go back, for example, you can observe uh, other people new in the dojo, like the kids. The kids, it's all physical training, do you see? There's no talk of energetic component, let alone the spiritual component. There's no talk of it. There's no, there's no point in talking about it. You can't do anything with it except be misled by it. Okay. You, you, as I, I find when I tell other moderns this, they get all uppity. Like, Jesus Christ, chill the fuck out. The idea that they can't know everything at the get-go is abhorrent to them. But nothing is like that. You don't get high-end math at the start, you know? You start with counting. But we, 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 we have this... I think it gets intensified when it's something so central to being... that it becomes abhorrent, it becomes terrifying that it can't all be delivered to you all at once because it's so central to being. But I would put before you the other concept, like I, w I would think it would be easier to get math at you all at once because that's not really anywhere near as nuanced and as complicated and as mysterious as your being. There's countless mathematicians. They're being produced every single day. How many Buddhas has the world produced, do you see? The fact is that every wisdom tradition has made use of this, it really, it's progression-based pedagogy. Learn, learn this stuff first, and then you learn this stuff, and then you learn this stuff, and then you learn this stuff. It's, it's the best kind of teaching, progression-based. Well, the flip side of that is, don't learn this stuff yet, don't learn this stuff yet, don't learn this stuff yet, until you get this down. And this evolves eventually into exoteric and esoteric teachings. But it doesn't stop being progression-based. 
It's not an in-club, in other words, do you see? It's not the Skull and Bones Club of Yale, do you know? Where you're picked according to some weird fantasy. This is just, you didn't do the progressions. There's no point. It'll only lead you astray. And when we talk about astray, we, we don't just mean like you're, you're wandering. Like It leads to terrible places. It leads to damage. Pain. Suffering. Why would any teacher go, hey, here's an effing dose of some suffering. I know you're not ready. I know you can't do anything with this about, except suffer with it. Who would do that? So... As we have some people able to generate their tanden, we talk about this alchemical component. Now, we don't hide it. It almost hides itself. In other words, some people here cannot, are not even close to internalizing Yangqi. Not even close. But it's enough, do you see, the way parents might talk about something in front of their children. Equally, it kind of leads them astray, do you see that? Because they don't have the big picture. They only have a part of it. But equally, the child learns, oh, this is how you speak. This is how a conversation is. This is my language. We speak English, do you see? So, we talk about alchemical things in front of people who have no, nowhere near the ability to internalize Yangqi. Well, same thing with the spiritual component. We have people that are able, they understand, they have experienced the God mind, and they understand more, okay, what am I trying to do here? Well, we have people who have not experienced the God mind. They don't, they don't know that ecstasy, that loss of self, that's what ecstasy means. Does it the reason why they make a drug named after it and we as a society have come to associate it with pleasure is because most of the time our self causes us suffering. But the original meaning of the word is a loss of self, a moving beyond the experience of self. That's the ecstatic experience. We've, we've had people that have had this experience, so we talk about it, but not everyone has had that experience. So to this evening, I would like to talk more on that, okay? I think also, too, you know, I hold the position that it, it, it is not right 
Or let's say I could not live with it. I could not live that I do something for my children, but not for my other deshi. A parent saves the best for their children. Do you see that? But I could not live with myself if I kept that from my deshi. So I think it's important for my son here to understand these components and most of all, the spiritual component. So obviously, I think it is important for all of you to understand that. So in that light, you see, I'm not doing the hoarding of information that a lot of moderns tell themselves that they should have privilege and entitlement when they haven't done the work and they don't have the understanding, nor do they practice the commitment and the sacrifice. That's not what's going on here, okay? So I would like to um, get us in the ballpark to understand the spiritual component, what you're dealing with when we talk about reconciling the ego tripartite mind with the God mind. Okay. Again, you know, I was a historian of religions. I studied this field for over a decade at a very, very high academic level. And what I have brought to you is an expedited, simplified form of that research, okay? What I give to you is a simplified version that lends itself more towards, in my opinion, and in my experience, toward a usability. So I'm not going to say something inconsistent with my research, do you see? I'm not going to make something up. I'm not making something up. Anyone can research this easily. But it has been simplified for usability. Okay. So my division between two minds, you have to understand it. First of all, you have to understand this is not the mind of Sigmund Freud or Carl Jung. This is not the mind of psychology. Psychology is a modern field. The mind I'm using, the mind I'm referring to, pre-exists modernity. The concept of mind I'm referring to is a metaphysical one, not a biochemical one. And when you get down to the chase, the end of it, I'm really talking about an experience. And really, I'm talking about two different types of experiencing. What? The world. Right, so you, if I say there's the egoic mind and then there's the God mind, as a modern, you want, to, you want to get a spoon and 
shave your head and cut your scalp open and start digging around in your brain to try to scoop this out or polish it up, do you see? Or feed it some vitamins. This is a, this is a biochemical idea. This is a modern mechanistic paradigm. I'm not talking about that. The reason I use the word experience is because this is the simplest way of understanding it. Meaning, whatever your mind is, it is indistinguishable from, the, from your experience. There is no mind outside of your experience. And what's your experience of what? The experience of the world. That's what you experience. So when I talk about the mind, and I say the egoic mind, it is an egoic experience of the world. When I talk about the God mind, it is a non-egoic experience of the world. Though so the first assumption you have to understand there is that you as a human being are open to experiencing the world, anything in the world. Do you get it? Do you understand? I don't mean in France. Do you understand? <laughs> anything, anywhere, in your room, in your bed, in the mirror, There's two experiences you can have. You can have an egoic one and you can have a non-egoic one. But I don't say, I don't really like the non-egoic one because it's not consistent with the experience itself. So when I have an egoic experience, I totally feel, I, I sense myself. As we say, that metacognition is always there. I can observe myself having the experience. Or I can, or, 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 uh, I can reflect back. There's a memory to it. There's a passage of time that is experienced. But when I have a God-mind experience, it all goes away. So if I say the word a non-egoic mind, it's an upaya. It's less accurate. Because you're still picturing you. There is no you. It's an ecstatic experience, do you see? You lose your sense of self. The, con the word non-egoic mind doesn't sound like you lose. It's you having a non-egoic experience. That's not accurate, do you see? In a better poetics, you would say God is experiencing you. So, a, a getting your foot in the door, grasping of what I'm talking about, a very easy way, in my opinion, is to reflect upon the teachings of Thomas Merton. So, for those who don't know, Thomas Merton was a Catholic monk, a Trappist monk. What makes it easy? Because he's not writing in a foreign culture, in a pre-modern time. He lived in the 60s, in the United States. He wrote in English. You see, when you read the mystics, of East Asia, it's in a different language. 
in a different time. It's very difficult to grasp. You, I, I, I shared a passage from O Sensei where he talked about you should observe, you can't observe the teachings in, in water and in nature and all these kind of things, right? Do you understand that? And then somebody wrote on there like, and also you can smoke weed. Do you see? And so now we're like at 501 banned people from the Facebook page, right? <laughs> I broke my 500 mark. <laughs> yeah. But if you know East Asian history, do you see? The original Chinese word for temple was referencing observing, observation, observing nature, do you see? And you know why they did that, because you see the very cosmological concept of in the beginning was the Tao and the Tao split into the yin and yang. That truth is going to manifest in nature precisely because it is true. And because it is is because it manifests in nature, it is true. And because it is true, it manifests in nature. So what people did is they looked at the natural working of the universe of nature, do you see? And they lived accordingly. But you're a modern person and you just go, oh, that just sounds like some hippie talking and hippies smoke weed and, you know, and hey... Cool, man. Right? Do you see? But what an idiot. It's hard to understand. And that was, I would say, one of the more simpler passages that O-sensei wrote. It's not referencing the Kojiki and the bridge between heaven and earth, do you see? And the Kami and all these kind of things. It's not referencing that. It's just a very simple reference to the natural order of things but still easily to misunderstand well merchant is not he's i wouldn't say he's easy to understand let's just say he's easier to understand okay so he doesn't exactly use my terminology just like the buddha doesn't exactly use my nomenclature nor lao tzu nor chuang tzu nor Kung Tzu, nor O Sensei, do you see? My nomenclature, the ego tripartite mind and the God mind, is a simplified version meant for expediting usability. Okay? Merton's writing as a Catholic, as a Trappist monk, but a modern mystic, meaning he is seeking the ecstatic experience, the loss of self, and communion with God, communion with the divine, the reconciliation of the two minds. So we'll, we'll use him, okay? And I would like you to just think about what he's saying. Don't judge how you're thinking. I'm going to ask you to share your thoughts. What comes to your mind, do you see? You can reference things I say. You can have it. This makes me want to ask this question. Do you see? I think he's saying this. Do you understand?
This practice is called meditation. So you know uh, my mentor in school, Grappard. He hated when people translated zazen as meditation, you see. Which is why we always say zazen. His, his, don't, try, don't translate it as meditation because meditation is a technology of self going way back in Christianity, in Catholicism. Do you see? And what is meditation is you, you meditate, you think about, you contemplate, do you see, upon ideas. What idea? Ideas on the divine, on the nature of God, on the nature of sin, on the nature of self. Do you see that? So here we're doing meditation. Meditation is not zazen. Okay. Um, I'm not sure who writes this book. I'm going to pull these passages out from. And it speaks to how convenient Merton is because the title is actually The Pocket Thomas Merton. <laughs> right? So it's about convenience sake, do you see? I know I'm not sure who does the little paragraphs between each section. What they are are passages written or stated by Merton, and then they're organized in topics or chapters on the same topic. And somebody kind of writes a little preface contextualizing what the passage is on. So maybe it's the editor. But he has this one. This is, this is on the section real and false selves. So the parallel here to our teachings is the real self is the God mind, and the false self is the ego tripartite mind. Okay. And this is the preface, and, and maybe we'll, we'll see. And maybe it'll be too many ideas flooding into us if we read a whole paragraph. So maybe we have to break it down. All right, so the preface to this section, Real and False Selves, is the following. At the heart of Merton's spirituality, is his distinction between our real and false selves. Our false selves are the identities we cultivate in order to function in society with pride and self-possession. Our real selves are a deep religious mystery known entirely only to God. The world cultivates the false self, ignores the real one, and therein lies the great irony of human existence. The more we make of ourselves, the less we actually exist. Do you have, would you, if you want to hear it again, or this part, I'll read it again. This is how meditation goes, do you see? You might have to read it again. If you'd like to read the passage to yourself, I'll let you read it to yourself. But if you have any thoughts or questions or feelings, you see. You're going to let the mind kind of go. It's the opposite of zazen, which is why we don't use meditation as a term. Yes. Sensei, you've talked about reconciling the ego tripartite mind and the God mind. 
Um, here, the distinction is between the false self and the true self. And it seems like in modern terminology, there is a connotation that false is bad and true is good. Um, but in what you've taught us, you're not telling us that the ego tripartite mind is bad according to modern morality um, or that the God mind is good. Is there only the reconciliation of the two? Good. So I, I would count this more as a question, and this is a good question. And this is, remember, this is progression-based learning under, under a mentor, do you see? So you're asking for further clarification on your mentor's teachings, do you see? First, I, w I, would, I would point this out. Again, we have people at all different levels. The reconciliation that occurs at any of the three components, spiritual, alchemical, or energetic, and the physical, in no way ties the teaching, nor you, nor me, to morality. You use that word, morality, right? This, this is a modern corruption of what the ascetic is seeking. Morality itself always belongs to the world. And the world is always changing, do you see? The ascetic in his or her reconciliation is seeking the truth that is beyond all time and all space. So you could take this moral code, let's A, you could travel to the other side of the world and if it was good here, it's bad there. Do you see? Or you could travel back in time. It's bad here, it was good there. And you could go forward, you're going to see the same thing. Many Aikidoka people are trying to give this morality to this mystical practice of ours, do you see? They want you to make a statement on Black Lives Matters and what is a woman, do you see? But these are all dichotomous things. What you seek is to move beyond this, okay? So for example, you are in our modern world, in our contemporary time, you are not only female, but woman, in our society, has an understanding of what that is. But where and how I interrelate with you, you, if you pay attention, it's beyond that. So for example, I don't train you one way 
and someone else who our society would say is a male and a man. Do you see? Now, maybe there's times you wish I would, right? Like, But you see, I don't. I just see you, who you are beyond that, that time space now, right? So for example, oh, I've hit you plenty of times on this mat, right? You, ha- you give an opening and I'm going to hand sword the hell out of your neck, for example, right? Now go tell, your, go tell all the people in your circle right? Do you understand? And go tell that fact to them. And they go, yeah, I pay money. And there's this man and he, he'll, he'll beat the shit out of me if I fuck up. And what do you think their take is? Oh, that sounds awesome. No, it's not, right? This is abuse. This is abuse. Do you see? Why would you do that? Why would you suffer like that? Put us in another time, right? Maybe we're, we're in a feudal time. And you have to help me defend this castle. And I have to help you stay alive when we're attacked. And all of a sudden, that strike becomes the deepest of caring and nurturing. Not just for you, but for everyone else that you are expected to protect. This is just a simple thing, do you see? But it's like that. The, the truth we're after is not moral. Because morality changes all the time. We had, we had, you, you, there's a, we had one recently in my house. Right, a lot of people will come up with rules. And they think, these are universal rules. Don't lie. But pay attention. We lie all the time. And we hold the truth back all the time. Why? I don't want to hurt them. And then we might might say, well, I would rather be hurt than lied to. No, you fucking wouldn't. We have like um, today, not just today, but you know I train people outside of the dojo, do you see? And uh, there's, you want them to get better, you see. But some people can't take the feedback. Do you understand? So they're like, how am I doing? You know, what, what should I say? Oh my God, you've, you suck so effing bad. I don't think you'll ever get this. 
Does that sound moral to you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just keeping it real. I remember it was, I think it was Dave Chappelle who did something like, I'm just keeping it real. Like it justified what in essence is a cruelty. Do you see? And an unnecessary cruelty. Because the only way they're going to get better is to keep coming. Do you see? And if they can't handle the feedback and it makes them quit, then they can't get better. Do you, see? Do you understand that? You could take every single moral virtue like that right now and you would track it down in history and across geography and you'll see another culture will go, that's, that's evil what you're doing. And then we think it's morally righteous. Okay? Or even within your own culture, Tweak the circumstances a little bit and you realize it's not universal. That we're not after a morality. If we are, the ego tripartite is functioning fully. And you, you go deeper. You're going to see in that morality is your fear and your pride and your will to power. We're not after that. You'll see that Merton talks about sin, but it's not sin as wrong. It's not sin as immoral. It's the original meaning of sin, which is you missed, you missed the mark. What's the mark in Catholic mysticism for a Trappist monk? Communion with God. What is a sin then? Anything that stops you from gaining communion with God. So if you have a moral, a morality, and you universalize what is far from universal, and it feeds your pride and your power, do you see? This is a sin that will keep you from communion with God because it is nothing more than the functioning of the ego tripartite mind. This is what I thought when, what you said. Okay. The reason that I talk about a reconciliation and you'll see this in Merton still. Remember, the editor wrote this preface. That the ego tripartite is as natural to you as is its cessation. You cannot get rid of it. The idea that you reach satori, that you become awakened once and for all, is not correct. This is a corruption of the teachings. It's in the same way, if you have the Tao, yin and yang is not the Tao, it's from the Tao. Yin and yang is not evil. Do you see? All, although... And all the while, we're seeking for a reconciliation of yin and yang. 
to move beyond yin and yang, do you see? That yin and yang is not evil. It is not wrong. It's just a part of the world. It's just a part of the universe. There's just another part, the Tao. The ego tripartite mind is not evil. It can lead to evil. By, by our standards, do you see? But as yin and yang manifest, and as we partake in that dichotomy, and we cannot return to the Tao. Likewise, the ego tripartite, as it functions, is not in and of itself evil, but as it is functioning, we cannot return to the God mind. We cannot experience the God mind. In that sense, it's sinful, but in the original meaning of the word sin, not in the modern word sin, which was some wrong thing, some immoral thing, do you see? So to say I'm going to negate the ego tripartite mind and only stay in the God mind, that to me that smells of the ego tripartite mind. <laughs> right? Because you can see the dichotomy that is drawing and that's how it functions. What you want to understand is you have that ability. But you also want to understand that if you let it go rampant, if you do not bring awareness to its functioning, if you do not gain the skill of releasing yourself from it, you will be taken by it. You will not experience the God mind. Okay? But you cannot make an enemy of the ego tripartite mind because that is the ego tripartite mind. Okay? I would like to, before reading the first passage, I would like to point this out this is very similar to something that I repeatedly say. The world cultivates the false self, ignores the real one, and therein lies the great irony of human existence. The more we make of ourselves, the less we actually exist. So he connected the functioning of the false self with the world. Do you see? which is something I point out constantly. Your proximity to God is proportionate to your distance from the world. The world is taken by the ego tripartite mind. That's how it does everything. It does it both both sides of the coin, positive and negative, right? You have this life of debauchery that is taken over, but you also have this kind of moral righteousness. It's the same thing. It's the same coin. The world does that. There's very few people that say, I'm not, I don't, morality has nothing to do with what I'm doing. You live your life, I live my life. The world is busy on that 
the making of enemies. Here's the first passage. Again, it's a little long, so maybe we'll, we'll stop here and there, okay? All sin starts from the assumption that my false self, the self that exists only in my own egocentric desires, is the fundamental reality of life to which everything else in the universe is ordered. Thus, I use up my life in the desire for pleasures and the thirst for experiences, for power, honor, knowledge, and love to clothe this false self and construct its nothingness into something objectively real. What do you think? Yes. Sensei, that sounds like it's close to interchangeable with the first two of the noble truths. Uh, that there is suffering and that the cause of suffering is attachment. Good. Very, very I, would, I would agree. Okay. It's just coming from this Catholic sense. Okay. But here, let us also point out, as, because we already mentioned it, his word, sin. Do you see? He tells you, he tells you what it is. Okay. He says it in the first line. All sin starts from the assumption that my false self, the self that exists only in my own egocentric desires, is the fundamental reality of life. Do you see? This you could see, you could easily see the parallel to the Four Noble Truths. Right? Or, and of course, all four, right? <laughs> right? There's the delusion, do you see? There's the suffering, do you see? But ultimately, this delusion of self, do you see? So, in the, in the Buddhist soteriology, in the Buddhist theory of salvation, what you want to learn is that there is no self. Well, what is there? Then your Buddha nature, do you see your Buddha nature? There's the truth beyond yourself. There's the truth beyond no self. It's the same kind of setup here, do you see? There's a, a delusion of self. And the delusion of self, I keep feeding it. And it causes me the suffering, do you see? In the Catholic soteriology... The attachment to the ego keeps me from God. It places me in hell. I'm suffering, do you see? And he says here what we do. I use up my life in the desire for pleasures and the thirst for experiences, for power, honor, knowledge, and love to clothe this false self and construct its nothingness into something objectively real. What, what would I do instead if I didn't do that? 
I would experience the God mind. I would seek after this communion with God. I would know the reality beyond the ego-feeding reality. Because all I do in the ego-feeding reality, right, if you use our discourse, once the ego mind is functioning, it's fear-based. And it ignites and kickstarts the will to power. It's fear-based, do you see? So if you look at what he said from the position of a person who is afraid, who abides in fear, and what would they act like? They use their life up in the desire for pleasures. Why? Because I don't want to hurt anymore. I'm suffering. I don't want to hurt anymore. I'm afraid of more suffering. And the thirst for experiences. How, how many people in the mental health crisis in this country, right, who just feel the nihilism that Nietzsche predicted, right? What do they, they want to feel something, anything. That's what Merton's talking about. This is where, this is probably associated to, do you see, to the moral indignation that one group has at the other group. I want to feel something. And if I could morally blame another group, I'll feel better about myself. Both sides, do you see? Do you understand? It's both sides. You, I use my life up for power. Well, that's as direct as you can get because I called it the will to power. Right? Because everything is terrifying to me. If I could just overload over it all, I wouldn't be afraid anymore. If I could have power, honor. Really? Here he's talking about the positive imaging that others have of me. If they could see me as honorable, if they could see me as having knowledge and even love he puts on there, if they could just love me, he puts it in there. This is a sin. Why? Not because of a morality, but really because of a non-functioning a non-functioning of divine communion. It doesn't work. He continues. And I wind experiences around myself and cover myself with pleasures and glory like bandages in order to make myself perceptible to myself and to the world as if I wore an invisible body that could only become visible when something visible covered its surface. 
What is the invisible body? It's the body beyond yin and yang. It's the God state, body, mind. What do we do instead when the ego mind is functioning? We cover it up. We constantly cover it up. You see, I'm knowledgeable. I'm powerful. I'm loving. We keep making it something. I'm moral. I'm woke. Or the opposite, right? I'm not a sinner. We do this over and over. Just pay attention. Pay attention. This false self is really a masquerade. When it takes control of us, we keep making it something because it can't in its nature be nothing. It has to be something. And now we're caught in it. And all we do is feed it and feed it and feed it. Meaning we, we can only experience the world through it. And the world is it. And everybody in the world is it. And now we get fed by them and we eat them. And they try to eat us and we try to stop them. And we're just trapped in this hungry ghost. Hell. The next one. If we take our vulnerable shell to be our true identity, so there he's drawing that distinction that the editor made. If we take our vulnerable shell to be our true identity, if we think our mask is our true face, we will protect it with fabrications, even at the cost of violating our own truth. This seems to be the collective endeavor of society. Oh, he just said what I just said. The more busily men dedicate themselves to it, the more certainly it becomes a collective illusion until in the end we have the enormous, obsessive, uncontrollable dynamic of fabrications designed to protect mere fictitious identity Selves, he has in quotes. That is to say, regarded as objects. Selves that can stand back and see themselves having fun. An illusion which reassures them that they are real. In, in my mind, he predicted TikTok and Snapchat. Do you see? Facebook. Everybody's having fun. But go deeper. Why does it why does it do we really believe everyone's having fun? Okay, so why the need? Where does the need come from to do that? Even where is the need to always have fun? You have the need to always have fun and the need to always portray yourself as having fun. Now ask, where does that need come from? Well, he's telling you.
He's telling you. The, the egoic mind cannot be invisible, cannot be still, cannot be accepting. Combine that with my discourse. The ego tripartite mind functions in fear. How in the world are you going to stay still? How in the world are you going to stay invisible? You have to be moral. Or on the other side, you have to be immoral. You can't just be. You can't just accept. And then you, you go deeper into this morality or this immorality and you look and you see it didn't always exist and it doesn't exist there and it's not going to exist next year or next century. Do you see? This is all illusion. Because next, next decade, you might not be a female and a woman. You might be a person with a uterus. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm still going to hit you in the neck if you're open because I don't give a shit. Do you see? And you might want me to call you a person with a uterus. But you'll have a hard time. And then you'll see me as immoral because I don't. But you'll need to see me that way because you need to seek power over me. Because my invisibility is threatening to you. The fact I won't participate in your masquerade is terrifying to you because it spills the beans that you don't have to either. So here's a man and he is, he is trying, he's meditating on, in our language, the f everyday functioning of the ego tripartite mind. He is not talking, yes, he's talking about the world, but he's not outside of the world, do you see? He's not outside of what he's talking about. This is in him. This is in all of us. And so in the first way that I answered your question, this is a natural, this is a natural component of being human. You can't get around this. What you can do is what he's doing, however. You can bring awareness to it. Oh, look at me masking up. Do you see? Look at me seeking power over others. Look at me rejecting. Look at me accepting. Look at me afraid. Look at me pretending I'm going to live for forever. Look at me pretending the world does not change and will not change for forever. You bring awareness to this. It is a necessary first step 
to reconciling these two minds. Why? Because the ego tripartite mind functions in such a way that it makes us unaware of its own functioning. The moment you bring awareness to its functioning, it stops functioning, it slows down, it starts to have kinks in it. It's like you, 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 you put sugar in the gas tank, do you understand? This car is not going to run so well anymore. What Merton is doing is he's effing up that engine through his meditations. He has a model here, do you see? It's the model of sin. So he uses the model of sin. The functioning, the unaware functioning of this egoic mind is what's keeping me from God. He's not, he's not making it a moral issue. It's a utilitarian issue, do you see? It's almost mechanistic, as a technology of self would be. I need these elements in my technology in order for this to function. I need some awareness because the egoic mind functions through unawareness. We'll do one more. To say I was born in sin is to say I came into the world with a false self. I was born in a mask. I came into existence under a sign of contradiction, being someone that I was never intended to be and therefore a denial of what I am supposed to be. And thus I came into existence and non-existence at the same time because from the very start, I was something that I was not. He's playing with the false self and the true self, do you see? And it goes back to my statement that your ego tripartite mind is a part of your humanity. So he says it this way. I was born in sin. We know what he means by sin. That which keeps me from divine communion. To say I was born in sin is to say I came into the world with the false self. The egoic mind is part of your humanity. This is how I was born. It was just who I am. It's what I am as a creature. I was born in a mask. Now, we like to think, for example, moderns, that babies don't have this, do you see? Like, babies have, like, a clear slate, right? But this is all myth. The second you have an identity that we know as an identity, do you see, and such is required for you to experience the world. Otherwise, there's no you to experience the world. If there's no you, there's no experience of the world. So he's looking at it again from a utilitarian point of view, saying this is just what I am. He's not villainizing it, do you see? Because that is who he is, but is not all of who he is, do you see? 
He says, I came into existence under a sign of contradiction. Do you see? I both am this false self, but I'm also not this false self. Being someone that I was never intended to be. I was not supposed to be stuck in my false self. I was not supposed to live a life under total unawareness of the ego tripartite mind. Why do you, why, why, Thomas, why? Because I have this other capacity. If, I, if my nature was to only exist in the ego tripartite mind, I would not have the capacity to experience reality through the God mind. So I'm born simultaneously as a contradiction. I have one mind that attempts to convince me there's only one way of experiencing the world. But I have this other mind that allows me to experience the world another way. I am both this false self and this true self. And thus I came into existence. He was born, do you see? And non-existence, the ego itself is a false self. It's not real. At the same time, because from the very start, I was something that I was not. From, this, is the, this is what I say. The ego tripartite mind is a part of your humanity. From the very start, you're something you are not. You are not those masks. You are not that will to power. You are not that fear. You're not that morality. You're not that knowledge. You're not that honor. You're not even that love nor the desire for that love. You're beyond all those things. Just as, yes, yin and yang manifest, but the Tao is as much a part of the universe as that manifestation of yin and yang. And you can experience the Tao or Better said, the Tao experiences you. If you bring this to the physical component and you come into Jiwaza, you try to do Jiwaza with the only mind you know, the egoic mind, and with its full functioning, so you're unaware of its functioning, Jiwaza can be a microcosm for all the things that he described at a macro level. You experience the dichotomy between you and Uke, between you, the self, and the other, Uke. And as we say, this starts, this dichotomy, this original dichotomy between the self and the other manifests simultaneously a behavioral spectrum between what you'd rather have and what you'd rather not have. And so now you act according, according to that. 
But usually what you do is you seek power over the other. I zeroed in on this. You will do everything that he says, but I zeroed in because I'm going to expedite your usability of this awareness. So I would like for you to focus in on your will to power over another. Your inability to just accept them and you as you are. So Uke comes in, what do you always do? What do you always do? You always try to overpower Uke. You always try to stop Uke. You always reject what Uke is doing. And now you can't do Jiwaza. You're forcing techniques, do you see? You force it. You might, you, you might, I've never seen it, but let's say mathematically it's possible. You might go, no, all I, I don't force anything. I just curl up in a ball and let them beat the crap out of me. Do you see? But you're now begging for mercy. And they're not merciful. Do you see? And so you've gained your moral righteousness over them. You're still seeking power over them. You're just doing it from what Nietzsche calls the slave mentality. You look again at wokeism. It's, it's slave mentality, but it's still after power, do you see? So I have you zero in on power. You desire for this and you abhor that. That's your behavioral spectrum. So you force this technique or you reject what Uke is doing, do you see? Oftentimes you go ahead and you overpower Uke. And what do you feel there? You don't feel, you know what? My egoic mind got me and what I did is I rejected what Uke was doing. And so I force this technique on the uke. That's not what happens, you see. The egoic mind functions without awareness. You go like, fuck yeah. Do you see? You go, fuck yeah, I fucked them up. Do you know what I mean? I threw them. I did it. It, it doesn't reveal itself how Milton, how Merton is reviewing, revealing himself to himself. It's not sin. Do you see? Well, oftentimes you'll go and you'll go and you'll go, right? And I go, hey, you know you're forcing that technique. And you're like, who, me? Do you see? The mask have got you. You've wrapped yourself up in it. But it always is positive. The people that keep seeking the fun, do you see? And showing the fun and have everyone think they're fun. They're not aware of the suffering behind it, not fully conscious of it. If they would, they would stop. So you're not fully aware that you're forcing yourself upon the uke. You just do it. What you can do through meditations is start to break that down. Do you understand? Start to bring some awareness to this functioning. 
it won't solve the problem for you, like I said. It just kind of gunks up its functioning. Okay? It is a necessary step in learning the skill of releasing. You have to gunk it up. You have to go, why, why did I force that technique? Why did I push them? Why did I feel good after I threw them? Why did I feel bad when I didn't throw them? You got to put some sugar in the gas tank, you see? So if you could, I would highly recommend, with all the things you have to read, but you see, that's life on the path. Pick up some Merton. Read some Merton. He's now all over YouTube. You can just put him on. Some of it's in his original voice. I personally don't like his voice, so I'd rather have an audio book with someone else reading it. Or I'd just rather read his writings. They're very beautiful. Okay, But it's a good foot in the door to start getting yourself prime for more of what your teacher has been saying and for your ultimate reconciling skill at the spiritual component. Can you do that? All right. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com, S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.